It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. As I stand here today, there are candidates running for every level of office in America, for governor, Congress, attorney general, secretary of state, who won't commit, they will not commit to accepting the results of elections that they're running in. This is about the chaos in America. It's unprecedented. It's unlawful. And it's un-American. I've said before, you can't love your country only when you win. This is no ordinary year. So I ask you to think long and hard about the moment we're in. In a typical year, we're often not faced with questions of whether the vote we cast will preserve democracy or put us at risk. But this year we are. This year, I hope you'll make the future of our democracy an important part of your decision to vote and how you vote. I hope you'll ask a simple question of each candidate you might vote for. Will that person accept the legitimate will of the American people, of the people voting in his district or her district? Will that person accept the outcome of the election, win or lose? The answer to that question is vital. And in my opinion, it should be decisive. And the answer to that question hangs the future of the country we love so much and the fate of the democracy that has made so much possible for us. That's just ludicrous. How many candidates have you heard in this cycle that are beating their breast and saying, I will not accept the results of this election? I haven't heard one. I mean, maybe there are some, but I must have missed it. Uh, that was probably the most milquetoast part of his speech last night. Um, I uh, I don't know if you watched it, by the way. This is Sandy Rios. Welcome to the show. I don't know if you watched it last night. I did. I endured it. Uh, but I want to share with you. This is how he opened it, okay? Just a few days ago, a little before 2.30 a.m. in the morning, a man smashed the back windows and broke into the home of the Speaker of the House of Representatives, the third highest-ranking official in America. He carried in his backpack zip ties, duct tape, rope, and hammer. As he told police, he had come looking for Nancy Pelosi to take her hostage, to interrogate her, to threaten to break her kneecaps, but she wasn't there. Her husband, my friend Paul Pelosi, was home alone. The assailant tried to take Paul hostage. He woke him up, and he wanted to tie him up. The assailant ended up using a hammer to smash Paul's skull. Thankfully, by the grace of God, Paul survived. All this happened after the assault, and it's just, it's hard to even say it's Hard to even say. After the assailant entered the home asking, Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? There are the very, those are the very words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol on January the 6th when they broke the windows. 
Sorry about my phone. When they brought, sorry. (laughs) All of this happened after the assault, and it's just, it's hard to even say. It's hard to even say. After the assailant entered the home and asking, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Or where's Nancy? I guess depending on your inflection. Those are the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol on January the 6th, when they broke windows, kicked in the doors, brutally attacked law enforcement, and roamed the corridors hunting for officials and erected gallows to hang the former Vice President Mike Pence. It was an enraged mob that had been whipped up to an, into a frenzy by a president repeating over and over again the big lie that the election of 2020 had been stolen. It's a lie that fueled the dangerous rise in political violence and voter intimidation over the past two years. I want to stop there. That's how he started it, and that's the tone he set. That's why I said that was a pretty innocuous little clip. Um, I want to point out also that he talked about how voter intimidation and violence is on the increase, and then he contradicted himself or by saying later on in the speech that voter turnout was at record highs. Yeah, you can't square that. I just wonder if anyone believed him. Well, I've asked this morning not to talk about this, so this will be a surprise, but Delegate John McGuire, good friend, former Navy SEAL who serves in Virginia, is joining us this morning to talk about what's happening in Virginia. John, I'm just curious, are you guys using violence and intimidation to get out the vote right now? Uh, Not the Republicans. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, really? That's a good analysis. I'll tell you, it's, uh, you know, they think that we're stupid. And if you question anything that they, uh, they believe, you, you must be evil. Uh, but you know what? I think a red wave coming on uh, November 8th on Tuesday. And so I'm looking at something called BPAP.org. It's a page in Virginia we look at to keep up with political stats. And in 2018, uh, 344,500 or so votes uh, were uh, were made at this point in the game, and we're we're almost double that right now. So we've got a lot of people voting voting early. Yeah. So I'm praying that you know God will deliver us with a red wave. Yeah. So they're not terribly intimidated, evidently, uh, John. Uh, and they're you know they're like in Atlanta, they're setting uh, in Georgia, they're setting records. So it's just it's ludicrous and it's wicked. But that's what he's saying. Well, let's talk about Virginia because I want to know what's going on there. Uh, you guys are you you guys were the stars of the last election. People have remarked over and over again what Virginia did to get out the vote and actually take back their state. Is that same structure in place? What's happening? Well, I think we're doing a whole lot better. We've got poll watchers every county, city, and town. You know, more than triple what we had during 2020. And one of the big things for Governor Yunkin's win was we talked about empowering parents. There's so many things to talk about. But the one thing that his opponent did was he told the quiet truth that the Democrat Marxist agenda, they believe the, their children belong to the state, not the parents. And that has resonated. I was at a CPAC in Florida with Jim Jordan and Matt Schlapp, and I was texting Governor Yunkin, and I said, hey, guess what state uh, uh, Ron DeSantis was talking about, Virginia? And then I would text him, hey, guess what state uh, President Trump is talking about, Virginia? I think the congressional elections coming up uh, November 8th are going to be a bellwether for the rest of the country. And uh, I think we're, I think we're going, we have a good chance. You know, I, my representative in Congress has been Abigail Spanberg. She's uh, just finishing up her second term. And she tells everyone at the door, I've been knocking doors. She tells everyone at the door that she's a conservative. But if you look at her record, she votes 100% of the time with Biden and 96, 97% with Nancy Pelosi. 
And because of redistricting, they've moved her up north, and she's got new constituents that she's battling with Yesley Vega. And Ye- Yesley Vega is a firebrand. And uh, I'll tell you, to give you some hope for D- District 7, is in May, it was lean Democrat. And now it's a toss-up. So it's moving in her direction. So I think that that would be a great bellwether for the rest of the country. Um, we've got Jen Kiggins in the second. Um, that's a, it's going to be a heck of a battle there. Uh, but I think she can win as well. And, of course, I'm playing for uh, Hung Cal. He's an EOD Navy veteran. And, you know, he served with Navy SEALs quite a bit. He's a real hero. And I hope people will come out and support him. And we've got Leon Benjamin. Uh, Leon Benjamin's in the fourth against Petit McEachin. That's going to be a tough race. And, of course, we've got some solid folks like uh, Congressman Bob Good and Rob Whitman and others. But the real toss-ups in Virginia right now are the 10th with Hung Cal. Um, let's see, um, Jen Kiggins in the 2nd, Yesley Vega in the, in the 7th, and, of course, Leon Benjamin in the 4th. Okay, that's great. That's a great rundown, John. I, I really appreciate that because we I've kind of neglected Virginia lately, and I'm trying to do, you know— I'm trying to bring people the very best information here as we just get so close to the to the election. I'm going to rebl- explain to people, uh, uh, District 7 is, of course, really familiar to me, and it's familiar to other people that are, even if you don't know the number, David Bratt, Dave Bratt was the surprise winner there years ago who upsetting, I uh, uh, can't even think of his name, uh, in, in Congress. Eric Cantor. And uh, Dave mm-hmm. Bratt was just a champion. And, of course, then the left went after him with a vision, Oh, I can't talk. John, I'm trying to do too much this morning. Okay, I'll slow down. They went after him with a vengeance with Dave Brad, and they got Abigail Spanberger, who I think was a former CIA person, and um, mm-hmm. she has been in there for two terms now. Now, Yesley Vega, and they've messed with their districting there, right? So, which you, you alluded to. So, it's harder for Yesley Vega to win because of the redistricting, right? Well, I think, actually, it gives Yesley Vega an advantage because... Um, the, Abigail Spanberger lives in Henrico County, which is an hour from the district. So Abigail Spanberger has represented Henrico County, and now she's happened to move or represent an hour away, and right where Yesley Vega lives. And Yesley Vega is a policewoman. She's uh, on the Board of Supervisors. Uh, she's married to a, uh, a soldier, and uh, she's a fighter. And so she lives up there. She uh, she believes in our values. She's uh our God-given rights. So she's, a, she's a, they know who she are. She is, she's Hispanic. And, you know, Hispanics are not one-issue voters. And they, they, are, they have uh, Christian values, and they see the way that they're wrecking us. I mean, the economy, uh, inflation, crime. Crime has never been so close to the top as it is right now. But what would you expect? If you had a list of things you would do if you wanted to destroy our country, you would defund the police. You would put criminals on the street. You would try to take away our Second Amendment rights. You would have open borders with millions of invaders with this fentanyl. The number one cause of death for Americans age 18 to 45 right now is fentanyl. And even for me in the General Assembly, I keep putting in bills to go after drug dealers and charge them with felony homicides for distributing fentanyl that kills people. And the Republicans vote yes, and the Democrats vote no. So I know God's at work. Uh, I heard a quote, by the way, uh, Sandy, and it said something to the effect of, and I don't know where it came from, but it said something to the effect that America is going to be saved, but it's not going to be by a donkey, and it's not going to be by an elephant. It's going to be by a lamb. So I hope everybody <laughs> prays. Isn't that a good one? I love it. By the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world's world. It's no question about it. And I think probably 
John, one of the things that I fear and admonish and just warn is that if if uh, conservative people, uh, Christians and conservatives and those that are combined and people who love this country and the Constitution, if we should take back our country, I fear that the very next day we will forget. And that's what I just want to warn people. If uh, Wednesday morning mm-hmm. comes and we've really taken taken back, then that, that's, that's just one battle. And also that we forget why that happened, because we can remember, if we try, that it was looking really bad for our country and for our cause. And so all those things. Uh, what, can you say just a word more about Hung Kao? Because I haven't talked about him in the 10th District very much. You gave a good shout-out, but just expand that a little bit more in the minute that we have left here. Sure. So he is an EOD Navy veteran. Again, he served with the Navy SEALs, and you know he's the real deal. He's a fighter, and he... Um, He's got, he's got, he articulates our conservative values very clearly in a way that uh, everyone can understand. And I think, uh, you know, I've been to rallies. I've knocked on doors where I've met suburban moms that say they have never voted Republican. They're going to they're gonna vote Republican this time. I will t- tell you that his seat still leans Democrat, but it's getting closer to him. And so we're going to need a lot of prayers for him. And I'd love to have, you know, I'd love people to go volunteer, maybe send him money and help him get his message out in the next few days. But if anyone can do it, he can do it. All right. That's 10th District in Virginia for all of you Virginia listeners. And anything else that you, you in, your, in this minute, what else can people do in these last few days before the election, John? What are some practical things you would ask them to do? Well, I would say prayers, number one. Number two is you've got to vote. You know, some people say, I meant to vote. I got busy. Vote early so they can't use your vote or you'll have more time to volunteer. So vote, 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 and get 10 people to vote. I often hear, I was with Ted Cruz last Friday, and I heard him tell the audience, he said, I want you to vote 10 times. And everybody laughed. He goes, I don't mean like Democrats. He goes, I mean you to vote, and that's one time. And then you get nine more people that aren't here today to vote, and then you got 10 votes. So get 10 people to vote, and let's save our country. Okay, I'm, I'm all for that. That's great. Great advice, Delegate John McGuire. Thanks. I always appreciate it when you join me, John. So we'll talk again soon. All right. That's Virginia. All right, Sandy Rios. By the way, we're going to move to Oklahoma next because there are a lot of things going on there. So just stay tuned. Fasten your seatbelt. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Sometimes you see a win, a glimpse of God in this broken world. Preborn rejoices in the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Preborn's mission is to love and help women in unplanned pregnancies by offering them the truth to help them make the right choice by providing free ultrasounds. You see, when an expectant mom hears her baby's heartbeat and sees the image of her baby on ultrasound, she's seeing a life created in God's image, and it's a divine connection. And I got to hear and see my baby for the first time. Hearing the heartbeat made me cry. And it was certain that I was going to keep my baby forever. To learn more about Preborn's life-saving work, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. All gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life.
A teenage jihadist comes to Christ. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and I met young Ahmed when I visited the Middle East. His father died fighting for ISIS, his mother was an extremist, and young Ahmed was going to be a suicide bomber by killing himself and others being sold out to violent Islam. Now, his mother and siblings, they came to Christ, they prayed nonstop for his salvation, and when it came, he was beaten nearly to death by extremists. And when I caught up with him several villages over, I asked, Ahmed, what's your Bible mean to you? And he said, I can look here and see where Jesus says they'll hate you because they hated me and where Jesus says I'm with you always. Now listen, having a Bible, it meant everything to him and gave him perspective and his prayer was for believers there who need God's word to endure and persevere and I said, Ahmed, those Bibles they're coming. $5 since a Bible, $50 since 10 $500 since 100 Please in this season of giving, bless the persecuted church by calling 800 Yes Word. 800 Yes Word or give it sendbiblesnow.org sendbiblesnow.org and God bless you for caring. Hello Americans, I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. For me, the midterm elections are about the China virus pandemic. The Democrats shut down our churches, our businesses, and schools. They arrested small business owners. Mission Governor Gretchen Whitmer banned people from planting gardens and fishing. And California Governor Gavin Newsom ate unmasked at restaurants while the rest of us were stuck in our homes. Many people believe that Democrats were using the pandemic as an experiment to see how far they could push the American people to see just how willing they would be to give up some of their fundamental rights, softening us up for socialism. But I believe that experiment has backfired. Instead of surrendering our liberties, the American people are fighting back, and just about every poll and pundit is now predicting a red tsunami is about to sweep across the fruited plain. The American people are going to send an unmistakable message to the rest of the world on Election Day. We are not and will never be a socialist nation. I'm Todd Stearns. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Before I took office, there was a lot of folks out there, a lot of folks out there making some pretty bold predictions about how things would turn out. You might remember some of the predictions. They're coming for your guns, they're coming for your jobs, and they're coming for your freedom. They hate American energy, and Joe Biden will shut it all down. He's going to. Uh, that if, if I became president, Biden's elected, he will wipe out your energy industry. Another prediction that is my favorite one, I must add, is that if I got elected, gas prices going five, six, seven dollars for a gallon. <laughs> flood your communities with criminal aliens, drugs and crime while they live behind beautiful gated compounds. They try to take away your gun, Second Amendment, they want to take it away, while they enjoy private security that's fully armed. I never understood that one. You spent trillions of dollars rebuilding foreign nations, fighting foreign wars, and defending foreign borders. So for all those predictions of doom and gloom six months in, here's where we stand. Do you want to use the word recession or depression? Think of the single mom struggling to put food on the table each month. 
You know, it's uh, it's sad. So if your primary concern right now is inflation, we could stop it in 30 minutes. When I took office, he finally went outside. He went to get an ice cream. Look, the bottom line is this. I say you're not doing a very good job because he can't take any questions now from the press. All right, that's a montage that some friends sent me this morning. I thought it was great. And I also want to point out, if you are interested in, look, I'm not sure how many people watched President Biden's speech last night. uh, You know, what's the point? Uh, But anyway, it was pretty awful. You know, just such, just pretty awful. But if you get into discussions today, you might want to have this article from Daily Signal, fact-checking five Biden warnings about dangers to democracy. Fact-checking five Biden warnings about dangers to democracy. We'll put it on our Getter page, but it's in the Daily Signal if you can just search it for yourself. So, all right, so we want to go to Oklahoma now. Uh, By the way, Oklahoma, my folks are from Oklahoma. I went to college in Oklahoma. I used to never say that on the air in Chicago. Um, it's funny, uh, but uh, I am, I'm proud to be from Oklahoma, and um, my sister was born there, too, so I care about what happens in Oklahoma. And so there is a race between Governor Stitt, Kevin Stitt, and um, Joy Hoffmeister. Uh, it's a, been a pretty good challenge. Kevin has not been a shoe-in, and he's been a really great governor. Remember, he's taken, well, from my perspective, he's taken uh, transgenderism in the schools on head-on and done some really bold things, uh, for one thing. Uh, but Joy Hoffmeister, Hoffmeister in Oklahoma has brought a really strong challenge. Jenna White is with us this morning. Uh, Jenna is the president and education director of Reclaim Oklahoma Parent Empowerment, and she joins us this morning. Good morning, Jenny. Hi, Sandy. How are you? I'm good. I called you Jenna, didn't I? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jenny, talk about the governor's race. Tell us, kind of paint a, paint a picture of what's going on there. Uh, well, we do have a pretty good challenge with uh, a woman who was our secretary, of, or not secretary of education, our um, state superintendent of education, Joy Hoffmeister, who was a Republican uh, initially when she ran for that position, and she decided she was a Democrat uh, here just recently within the last six or eight months, and then decided she wanted to challenge our governor um, for his position. So that's kind of what we're dealing with here. She has had some problems uh, originally, when she ran in 2016 for the uh, uh, state education um, uh, position, she had a problem with um, colluding in a pack that she was working with that was supposed to be an independent pack, and she was colluding with the people who were running with the pack and was actually arrested for that. And um, unfortunately, even though they had cell phone text messages that implicated uh, about five people, um, the, and they were arrested. Those five people were arrested. The charges were never uh, completely brought, and that whole incident was dropped. You know, Je- Jenny, I, I, this is, I just want to know your thoughts about this. Um, I, Oklahoma was, at one time, as you probably well know, a deeply red state, a reliably red state. Now, there were a lot of uh, Democrats who were elected uh, to public office, but they were very conservative back when Democrats, you know, could be conservative. Uh, but it was a red state, and, but something has changed. Can you can you describe to me what's different now? Well, I really honestly think it has a lot to do with what we call dark money 
Um, the IRS has two nonprofit designations, a 501c3 and a 501c4. 501c3s are, you know, Goodwill, Salvation Army. 501c4s are organizations that can collect a lot of money but spend up to 40% of that money on uh, political uh, activity of any kind. And what's happened over the years uh, since the Supreme Court decision in 2010 um, is that these organizations have not been policed like the IR- by the IRS like they should be, and they're donating up to 100% of their proceeds for uh, political activity. And the worst part of it is, even though they have to file uh, an IRS 990, and that is public purview, you can go and, and look at those, they're not required to list who their donors are. And so in Oklahoma, unfortunately, um, several years ago, we did allow medical marijuana. And if you know about marijuana, you know, it's still, a, uh, I believe it's a class D drug. So it, you can't deposit money for marijuana sales into uh, banks, particularly ones that are, are uh, backed by the FDIC, um, because it's a, a a federal law. And a lot, so a lot of this money is circulating around and we have no idea if this is going into 501c4s because you don't have to know, you know, who is putting this money into these, uh, these organizations. But that money is going into PACs that are being used to support candidates in Oklahoma. And this same group is actually working in Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. Um, through this 501c4 called Prosperity Alliance. And I do believe that what they're trying to do is get us kind of more blue candidates elected to these areas that were once, you know, fairly reliably Republican. And that that's exactly why we're not seeing the, the bright, brilliant red like we used to see here in Oklahoma and even some of the other states. Yeah, Jenny, we've been uh, actually discussing marijuana the last few days, actually, well, this week, uh, because, you know, they've got five states where they're trying to pass initiatives, and in a couple of them, they're trying to actually put uh, a constitutional amendment in to protect yeah. the marijuana industry and not and not hold them accountable by, by their legislative uh, leaders. It's, it, is, it is corruption at the very highest level because they're, they're putting a lot of money in a lot of people's pockets. I think that's certainly part of it, but I wonder also if you would not agree with me that the churches have let down their guard a bit also. Would you agree with that? Uh, Unfortunately, I completely agree. And we have that problem in Oklahoma, just like it's, you know, sweeping the nation. We just don't have an engaged uh, church, you know, the way that we used to do. I mean, it's, it's a very sad situation, but you know, if you, if you follow the Bible and if we're Christians and we say that we're going to follow the Bible, um, there are so many ways that we should be using that in our daily lives, and certainly, you know, how we manage to uh, elect to have, you know, marijuana even at that level, I just, you know, it it's incomprehensible, frankly. It is incomprehensible, especially the damage that it's doing now to children, the poison control, uh, you know, danger to children, the psychosis. Uh, the relationship to schizophrenia, and we could go on and on. The the yes, levels absolutely. that are of uh, the THC that are in it that are so poisonous, it's horrible. And Christians better wake up 
people in Oklahoma right now, I'm talking to you, I beg you, uh, your pastors are not going to lead you on this because they've been really brainwashed by leadership, and a lot of it's Southern Baptist, that they should not be involved, that it's embarrassing that Christians were so involved in the past. And I think that's a that, I think that might qualify as the big lie. So uh, you know how I feel, those of you that listen to me. So I'm just saying, you're going to have to go around your pastors, and at some point you're going to have to educate them and bring them along and bring them along respectfully. Okay, so Jenny, uh, let's talk about you— um, now, uh, let's just quickly recap. Now, with Governor Stitt and Joy Hoffmeister, my understanding is uh, he has moved ahead in the polls, but he had kind of a struggle, didn't he? Well, I, and I, I've i seen all kinds of polls, and I hate to even discuss them because so many of them are just put up to influence and manipulate voters. So I almost even hate to say anything about a poll. But, yes, it it has seemingly been a struggle just because, again, you know, this state is bluing like so many others. And, you know, it's, oh, she's a woman and he's a man. And he really did uh, uh, create some excellent, some of the strongest anti-abortion language and bills that we've had um, anywhere in the nation this year. So, you know, that's been a a big fight. and let me jump in. Liberals here who you know who who don't like that. And let me just jump in to say that Oklahoma does not get press like, say, Florida, like, say, Virginia, because it's all East Coast. I know this personally, and you don't much hear about Kevin Stitt, uh, what he's doing, and but he's he's been stellar. But now we have to move to something else. Uh, this is something that's not news to um, uh, to people that listen to this show, but uh, George Soros is one of the most odious characters. He's an American-born, uh, well, an American, um, gosh, I'm just going to blank, not Hungarian. I, anyway, the former, uh, he's a communist, and he's trying to uh, produce open borders around the world, break down barriers. Uh, he has destroyed economies because he's a billionaire. Uh, he hates America. He's gone on record as saying that. He wants to destroy it. And now he's coming to Oklahoma. Can you explain that? Yes, we actually have a really good uh, district attorney candidate, um, Kevin Calvey, who's running for Oklahoma County District Attorney. And he's been assaulted by some dark money groups um, called, and it's called Oklahoma Progress Now. And the man who actually runs this group, um, his name's Nick Singer. He's coordinated the Oklahoma Atheist Coalition. Um, he's been involved in all kinds of leftist things here in Oklahoma. And apparently he is behind a lot of the money that's going in against Kevin Stitt. And this, the really sad thing about it is, so while they're assaulting Kevin Calvey, his uh, opponent on the Democrat side, Vicki Behenna, actually leads a nonprofit called the Oklahoma Innocence Project. And I don't know if if your listeners know this, but George Soros was really the inventor of the Innocence Project. It's an open society uh, foundation-backed group that's supposed to help people who have been incarcerated uh, incorrectly, that they're innocent, but they've been incarcerated, you know, which you would like to think would be a wonderful thing to get behind. But again, this is George Soros, and he's used this particular thing 
to uh, springboard off something called the DA Project. And in various states, he has helped elect DAs that have put in all kinds of really nonsensical, very uh, low ball on crime type policies that dangerous. have created dangerous, yes, dangerous and, and just havoc produced programs in some of these states. And that's who Kevin Calvey is running against to, to protect us from this. And yet he's being assaulted by this dark money group uh, that is... In, in essence, helping to back uh, Vicki Behenna um, for the DA uh, position in Oklahoma County. So we're just trying to get out information about that because, unfortunately, lots of states have been inundated with George Soros money and the Innocence Project and had their um, AGs also overturned through this project. So we've got to get out the word. People have got to really pay attention to who's running the money behind these people that they're pushing for election. We should not be electing people who are, you know, not Christians and not going to to support um, Christian-based projects. And this is definitely not one of them. All right. So in the Oklahoma County District Attorney's uh, race, it's Kevin Calvey who's uh, being challenged by Vicki Behenna, who is the Soros-backed candidate, bottom line. And Ab- so, um, but no, bottom line. okay, before, I, before you leave me, um, uh, let me just also mention that Joy Hoffmeister just recently, I was going to play the clip, but I'll just tell you, has uh, responded that she is all in favor of sanctuary cities. And that's something people need to yes. know. Any other races there that we should be aware of? Um, actually, the, our primaries here were really clouded with dark money, and, and I've been working to get out information on that. But coming into the, the home stretch here next week, um, the DA, Oklahoma County DA's race is probably the most important um, for a lot of us uh, in the, because it's such a highly populated city. But, of course, you know, we need to get uh, Governor Stitt elected um, for sure, and, um, you know, we we definitely – as Christians, we've got to open our eyes and really do our homework and find out who is trying to manipulate a, our vote. And yeah. it's so important all across the nation, but certainly across Oklahoma. All right. Let me just say for those of you listening, uh, iVoterGuide.com, iVoterGuide.com will help you kind of discern who's who. Uh, and also, we're going to put uh, Jenny's article, New Information, An Atheist and George Soros Try to Mi- Manipulate Voters in Oklahoma County. DA race. So you'll be armed with more detail on this. We'll put this on our getter page. And Jenny, it's nice to meet you by by phone. And um, just thank you for all the good work you're doing for the Oklahoma Parent Empowerment Project. So thank you. All right. When we come back, we're going to move to uh, Michigan, Michigan. There's a few things to say about Michigan and we're going to say them. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Election Day is November 8th. For the first time, iVoterGuide is covering select statewide ballot measures, some of which will affect voter identification laws and abortion. This important part of your voter guide is available now and can be found at the bottom of your personalized iVoterGuide ballot. To see the arguments for and against and other research, click on the More button or the amendment title. For all this information and more, please visit iVoterGuide.com. That's iVoterGuide.com. 
Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there. So then, you will know them by their fruits. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The U.S. Army's 101st Airborne Division has been deployed to Europe for the first time since World War II amid soaring tension between Russia and the American-led NATO military alliance. Nicknamed the Screaming Eagles, the 101st Airborne is trained to deploy on any battlefield in the world within hours, ready to fight, and they are now practicing for war with Russia only three miles away from Romania's border with Ukraine. The stated deployment purpose is to support our NATO allies. It's harrowing to consider, but with Russia's nuclear saber-rattling, has the stage been set for World War III? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. With the crazy prices of gas, groceries, everything, we knew if we were going to have health care, we had to find a better option. And did we ever? We joined MediShare. More than 400,000 Christians who share each other's medical bills. For us, it's been a game changer. We can't believe how much we're saving. Around 500 bucks every month. That's like a $6,000 a year pay raise. Talk about some huge stress relief. And their customer service is awesome, helpful, personal. No wonder they get such great reviews. And the best part is, because MediShare isn't insurance, Our money is never used for a medical choice or procedure we don't believe in. MediShare is healthcare that really works. Call 833-44-BIBLE to find out how much you can save on your healthcare. MediShare. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Some good news emerged from Israel this week. The electorate of the Jewish state finally decided to reinstate a strong and tested leader, Benjamin Netanyahu, with an actual parliamentary majority. The vote reflected understandable concerns about a toxic brew of growing dangers, including an imminently nuclear-armed Iran, increasingly deadly weapons in the hands of Tehran's terrorist proxies doing business as Hamas and Hezbollah, and rising violence by jihadist Palestinians within Israel and territories it controls. This is no time for weak and feckless leadership in Jerusalem. Another electoral factor appears to have been a repudiation of the outgoing leftist interim government's submissiveness to the dictates of a hostile Biden administration. Bibi has shown himself able and willing to stand up to anti-Zionists in Washington. He now has a mandate to do that and deserves our steadfast support as he fulfills it. This is Frank Evans. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. On the other side, who's stoking up resentment, anger, and fear? Who's using kids as political pawns? Who's banning books? Who's tearing? 
housing. But you know who's on our side? You know who's the problem solvers? Governor Whitmer. Yeah, there is no question that Gretchen Whitmer is on Randy Weingarten's side because Randy gave her a million dollars to continue running and also made sure that she kept her protocols in place while we were in the middle of COVID. And you saw states opening up. Then Gretchen Whitmer on the debate stage says, Michigan schools were only closed for three months. Parents across the state were shocked and horrified that she's trying to lie about what exactly happened to our kids and how far behind they still are. And then here they are lifting up the person who was forcing us to close the schools. And she thinks that's a good campaign idea. So much so that again, her lieutenant governor came out and said, we know that the key to a great education is taking care of the adults first. That's how they really (laughs) think about this. It is mind-boggling. All right. That was uh, Randy Weingarten, who's the uh, president of the American Federation, I think, of teachers, uh, yelling, cackling at the first part of it. And then that was Tudor Dixon, the Republican nominee for uh, uh, governor in Michigan, running against Governor Whitmer. And Tudor has now, you know, they're neck and neck right now. Also, an interesting little thing that happened, uh, uh, Stephen Colbert what did you know? What Stephen Colbert does, and tried to say that uh, Tudor Dixon lie, lied about talking to a guy who came up to her and said that he was really concerned about pornography found in his children's uh, books. And Colbert said this was a fake person. And then, the, but the fake person <laughs> spoke up and said, "No, I am real. I, this is my name, and I have five children in the public schools." Oh, hang on a second. I want to read you exactly what he said because this is really great. He basically said. You know, I I got five kids, and I used to be a Democrat, but no more. Uh, He says, I am a proud Muslim American who expresses my values and concerns all the time. Dearborn has been voting Democrat blue for the last decade decade or two decades, but not anymore. On behalf of myself and my family, I guarantee you for sure that my family and my friends will vote for Republicans. And before that, of course, he said what he said to her was true. So he made a fool out of Colbert. And it was the Detroit Free Press that printed that. So things are shifting. Also, I just want to mention that there's a, an article in the Epoch Times this week about how grassroots activism may have turned the tide in Michigan governor's race. And that is isn't due not in small part to our friends at Stand Up Michigan, Ron Armstrong. But also, Pat Colbeck, who is the uh, former Michigan state senator, former NASA scientist, uh, founder of Let'sFixThings.com, who has been working diligently on election integrity, and he joins us this morning. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. You know, as dangerous as Governor Whitmer has been, actually, I think Jocelyn Benson, our Michigan Secretary of State, is even more dangerous because she's teeing it up for generations of Governor Whitmer's in the future with her election practices. Well, and lawless, and we're going to get into that. Can, before we do get into that, though, could I just ask you, do you know do you know what the polls are with Jocelyn Benson and Christina Caramo, who's been our guest a couple of times? Christina's a powerful, powerful opponent, but I think she's not. she doesn't have the same advantage of press as, uh, as uh, Tudor Dixon. Your thoughts about that? Yeah, well, Benson's really, uh, she gets name recognition quite a bit because she's Secretary of State and all the Secretary of State offices are advertising for her every single day of the week. So that is a little bit of a pit to overcome. Um, but uh, this is typically a coattails race. So if Tudor does well, then everybody uh, down ticket, including the Attorney General, where Matt DiPerno is running as well against Dana Nessel, Usually they rise as well. And, uh, you know, Christina is a fantastic candidate, Christina Caramo for Secretary of State. And 
it's my hope that uh, she'll get across the finish line because she actually understands our election. She understands Secretary of State duties, and she follows the law, which is something we don't have right now. I know. And, and okay, let me just make this simple, because I have talked about this uh, with you and w- without you, that Jocelyn Benson, as the current Secretary of State uh, working with Gretchen Whitmer, uh, gave uh, poll workers very different instructions uh, than was yeah. uh, in the regulations or the law. I'm not sure which. And so there's been a real court battle because she responded by saying, oh, and also she refused to clean up the voter rolls of the, what, thousands of dead people. Yeah. Uh, She said she didn't have time, and she said she didn't have time uh, to change the rules that she had written. Okay, so there's an update on that. What's going on? So the same Secretary of State who said she didn't have time to update the rules to follow the law in accordance with a court order um, has issued over 460 pages of legal proceedings instead of updating five paragraphs in a 27-page manual. So she says she doesn't have time, but where she's devoting her energy is making sure that our election officials aren't aware of what the actual election law is. I I hate to say it, but she's actually creating a tinderbox. She's creating a very dangerous situation because she is making up her own rules and guiding poll workers to follow her rules. Um, Meanwhile, we have poll challengers that are trained to follow the law. And so when you have poll challengers going into the polling location saying, here's what the law says, and you have poll workers saying, I don't care what the law says, here's what Jocelyn Benson says, it creates a tinderbox, and that's what she's looking for, unfortunately. Now, kind of describe the drama here, because there's a motion that's been filed to hold her in contempt of court. Well, duh. Okay, so what's that about? Who's, Who's doing the motion? What's the judge? What's his position on all this? Explain a little bit more if you can. Well, this is the proverbial David versus Goliath. We have a great lawyer that stepped up. She's a real estate lawyer, but nobody else would step up. She came into this lawsuit and took it over. And uh, essentially, we won the case back in uh, on October 20th. Uh, Judge Brock Schwartzel issued a ruling that said, go back to the drawing board, Jocelyn Benson, and make sure that your guidance for this election follow the law. And for 13 days, uh, she did nothing except file more legal proceedings. And so Ann Howard, in her wisdom, said, you know what, that sure sounds like contempt of court to me. And she made a motion with Judge Swartzel saying, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but Jocelyn Benson has done nothing to implement your court order that had immediate effect when it was released on October 20th. So I, we're pleading, we're putting forward a motion to say you need to go off and uh, consider holding her in contempt of court. And you know what? I just received last night breaking news um, around 7.30. Judge Schwartzel responded to that motion already and said and gave them a deadline of noon today, the defendants in this case, to Jocelyn Benson and her team with Mark Elias, who uh, intervened on behalf of her. So that's uh, Hillary Clinton's former lawyer. So you know that the big boys are getting involved in this one. So it's a big deal to them. They have until noon today to make their case for why they uh, failed to complete their homework. No, so what are the potential outcomes here? I mean, let's say uh, they refuse. They will they file another motion. Oh no, we can't because uh, I sprained my yeah, ankle. I'm not. Can they homework. do that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> can, yeah. The dog ate my homework. Can can they do that? You think? I, I know this is legal stuff, but uh, I'm just asking. I, I, you know, this is a case where we've held. Um, 
Steve Bannon's been uh, sentenced to jail time for contempt of Congress. We have Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips who've been yes. sentenced and put in jail for contempt of court. This is a case where Jocelyn Benson should be put in court for contempt, uh, should be put in jail for contempt of court. I mean, literally, um, she has broken the law at least five times that we've been able to track and held by a court um, in contempt saying that, hey, this is, you, you violated the law. She was ordered to go off and uh, revise her guidance as she followed the law. This has happened in over five different suits. So it's not just Judge, Judge Thorsell. So I'm hoping that they, um, it would be nice if Jocelyn Benson spent the election um, in a uh, jail cell, just like my friends uh, Catherine and Greg. Yeah, and justified. You know, I, I think I asked you this last time we spoke, Pat, but I don't remember the answer. I just cannot, for the life of me, understand how Jocelyn Benson can oversee an election in which she's running for office. How can that be? And it's happening oh, it gets, in Arizona, too. It gets even worse than that. She's actually she's pushing for a ballot proposal, and Michigan's got three ballot proposals on the, and I'm voting, I'm, I encourage everybody in Michigan to vote no on all of them. But one of the ballot proposals actually would give her the authority, the sole authority, to audit the elections. So oh it's literally gosh. the fox guarding the hen house. Uh, and, uh, I'm, and right now, to, the, to this day, this very day right now, the last statewide voter registration file showing voter histories for the state of Michigan shows that there are 170,738 ballots cast that have no voter associated with them. And the presidential election was decided by 154,188. Oh. And she wants to be the one in charge of auditing. So, no, this is a dangerous situation. That's why I say as bad as Gretchen Whitmer is as governor, uh, Jocelyn Benson is even more dangerous as secretary of state because we'll get more of these ballot proposals that are being put on the ballot passing through because they're going at the ballot box and she's in charge of managing our election. This is this is a very scary time right now. It's She's trying to tee up a tinderbox at the polls by um, issuing uh, deliberately um, conflicting guidance um, at the polls to these poll workers. And they're just sitting there saying, hey, I'm just following orders. Meanwhile, they don't know what the law is, and they're trusting that the Secretary of State is issuing guidance that's lawful. And it's been found in the court five times not to be lawful. So we got to expose this. Pat, are you getting any press on this in Michigan? That's always the obstacle. I mean, I, I read earlier the D Detroit yeah. Free Press came out, you know, pointing out that uh, Stephen Colbert was not was not being honest about uh, Tudor Dixon. But any, I mean, that's unusual. I think Detroit Free Press is pretty leftist, isn't it? Yeah, although to tell you the truth, on this court case back on October twentieth, they actually put out a pretty good article on it, which surprised the heck out of me. So I'm uh, I'm always. Uh, thankful whenever that broken clock uh, gets the right time twice a yes. day. Well, we're but, finding uh, that. It, it but are they giving you, yeah. ha have they covered this? Are you getting no. coverage now? That no, she's not been... at all. No, no, not at all. Yeah. There's nothing, hardly any coverage at all. And this is a case of a tree falls in the wilderness to make a sound. You know, back in 2020, um, we had a court victory right before the election as well uh, against that phony six-foot uh, rule that was put in place by Jocelyn Benson court came down and issued an injunction. But none of the poll workers, none of the poll inspectors, none of the election officials had that communicated to them. And it created conflict at the polls um, because we all we, we knew it was, there was an injunction upon this phony rule. 
they're teeing it up for the exact same playbook this time and on a much grander scale. So uh, you're right. The media, the lack of media attention to this is quite concerning. You know, if it was a Republican Secretary of State that was being held uh, in uh, by in contempt <laughs> yeah. um, for not following court orders, it would be all over the place. Pat, I, I marked something just for you this morning. I was reading the transcript from Biden's speech last night, which I watched dreadfully enough. I gave a bit of my life to that. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, Thank I want to read this to you. One for the team. <laughs> yeah, I did. That's what I did. I want to read this to you and get your response. He said, "The great irony about the 2020 election is that it's the most attacked election in our history, and yet there's no election in our history that we can be more certain of its results. Every legal challenge that could have been brought was brought. Every recount that could have been undertaken was undertaken. Every recount confirmed the results. Wherever fact or evidence had been demanded, the big lie." has been proven to be just that, a big lie. Your response to that? <laughs> I don't know where to begin, except Jimmy Buffett says it's 5 o'clock somewhere, right? I just really, they, that's just devoid of any truth and any substance. Um, and this is what we're dealing with, is that every time folks like myself, who are labeled as election deniers, present all the evidence um, and just say, hey, just be transparent. If you want us to have confidence in the elections, be more transparent. Instead, what they're doing is blocking FOIA requests. They're blocking um, access to information. They're making the fox guard the hen house regarding the audits, like uh, the proposal two in Michigan that's being proposed. They're doing everything they can to prohibit oversight of the election. Well, that that does not give confidence and. And I'm sorry, you can say it was the most secure election in in history, but until you actually prove it with a real audit and actually um, pretend that you're an IRS agent auditing somebody's books and take that kind of discipline to it, um, then we'll know what's really going on. And I can tell you right now, I mean, I just told you about uh, Jocelyn Benson. She can't account for 170,000 Right oh, now. but you're but but that's coming from you, the election denier. Uh, yeah. So, Pat, <laughs> let's fix things.com. Let's fix things.com. And let's, also, let's fix just, stuff. Let's fix, fix, oh, fix stuff. stuff. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Let's fix yeah, stuff.org. To fix things too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Accuracy is important. All right. Listen, Pat Colbeck, uh, I really always appreciate your input. Thanks for joining us. And for the rest of you, the election is next Tuesday. So, roll up your sleeves and start studying so that you can vote smartly. iVoterGuide.com is a great source for one thing. Be back with you later. Sandy Rios in the morning. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.